when it comes to undefeated teams going against Wisconsin Badger entities in a Final Four, it does not bode well for the undefeated. As 32 and done, the Louisville Cardinals, the top-rated undefeated team in collegiate women's volleyball, takes on your Wisconsin Badgers in Columbus, Ohio yesterday, last night. A marathon, five-match, and boom, check it. There will be no undefeated champion of Wisconsin with an unbelievable stretch drive to the championship game. Incredible, your Wisconsin Badgers punching their ticket to the championship round, going for all the marbles as they were resilient all night last night, fighting back to get it done and take on their Big Ten rival Nebraska Saturday for everything. Incredible, man. Let's go. Volleyball is so exciting. It's so fun to watch, especially when a lot of things are at stake just like that. The fourth time now, Wisconsin has won a national semifinal, but the team has uh, not been able to close out the deal in the championship match again Saturday. Big Ten rival Nebraska for everything. Crazy, dude. Just a marathon five-set match. If you guys watched it, we'd love to hear from you. I was talking about it with um, Johnny Danger from our sister station, 941 JJO. We were like, dude, that was absolutely insane last night. How exciting of a sport, how uh, big of a moment for the Wisconsin Badger volleyball team and for them just to see it through and go to the championship round. Wow. We're going to have Bonnie Olson, the voice of Badger Volleyball, on 820 Today. She's down in Columbus, Ohio. They're at the Fieldhouse Ever, which the playoffs ran through. Madison, if you're at the Fieldhouse and you hear that lovely voice that goes, Point, Wisconsin. That's our girl, Bonnie Olson. She also works here as well at Midwest Family Broadcasting. One of the most, if not the most nicest human being I've ever met in my entire life. So Bonnie's going to join us from Columbus uh, at 820. Hopefully she wasn't, well, hopefully she was partying. But hopefully not too hard last night as they're getting ready for Saturday again against their Big Ten rivals. Can't wait. Nebraska. So we'll talk a a couple more of that today. Just had to get it out there. It's awesome. So so happy, so proud. Uh, All right, this is not too happy. Uh, Major sport entities, major sport leagues across the nation here reeling and dealing with this little thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. COVID-19. Yeah, there's a little outbreak happening uh, right now. The NFL getting it the worst. Over 100 players have now been put on the reserve COVID-19 list. And it uh, it's a problem, especially for the weekend here of the games that are going to be played starting on Saturday as the Cleveland Browns are getting it pretty bad. 20 Browns players including their top two quarterbacks. Now they just signed, what, Case Keenum? Uh, He practiced Thursday. They play on Saturday. 20 Browns players, including their top two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield included, who took to Twitter yesterday to come after the NFL. We'll get to that. He is on the reserve COVID-19 list. The Washington football team, 21 of their players are now on the COVID-19 list. And I think I read this morning it was up to 27 for the L.A. Rams on the COVID-19 list. Crazy. So 21 of Washington players are positive for COVID. 20 Browns players are positive for COVID. All, every single one of those players vaccinated. And now the NFL changing their protocols to try and hurry up some of these players back 
if you are vaccinated, they are now changing the rules for you, tweaking them, the protocols, to have, have you get back to your sport faster. And then you go look at the NBA. They have an outbreak as well, including uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, what Bobby Portis and Giannis Adenokounmpo, both on the COVID list. They play against the Pelicans tonight in New Orleans. That tip-off is at 7. Then you got Chris Middleton with the injured knee. Couple more injuries, right? Brooke Lopez out indefinitely right now with a back injury. And then you go look at the NHL. I know we don't have an NHL team here in Wisconsin. NHL also dealing with their own outbreak for COVID nineteen in their league. And then right here for the Packers, man, Kenny Clark been put on the COVID reserve list as he tested positive. The Packers defensive lineman, just a beast. So Kenny Clark is on there as the Packers go to Baltimore this Sunday to take on the Ravens. That kickoff is at 325. Head coach Matt LaFleur told the reporters that yesterday. So Clark is the first Packers player to go on the list this week. Jordan Love just came off of it. Uh, The last four days, though, have been the worst stretch of the season for, I mean, you just heard me talking about, right, the Washington football team, the Cleveland Browns, the L.A. Rams, now the Packers uh, just currently have Kenny Clark. Now Aaron Jones... The Packers' phenomenal running back did not practice yesterday. It was a combination of a knee injury as well as an illness. Now you hope, well, you don't hope it's any illness, but maybe it's something that's not COVID. That way he can, I guess, play if it's not too severe, if he's not affected by it. Kind of like the Badger basketball team. They had a little illness running through them. It was not COVID-related. I know Johnny Davis missed. Uh, but Badgers don't play till the 23rd when they welcome in Morgan State to the Cole Center. But yeah, Clark, Kenny Clark, <clears throat> if he is vaccinated, the only way for him to return is if he tests negative in a, twice in a 24-hour span. And I'm going to throw this out there. If he got tested positive yesterday, I don't think he'll be testing negative today or tomorrow. Um, let's see here. True advisor, my guy on Twitch says, is there still a 90-day uh, immunity period after testing negative twice? I don't now for Aaron Rodgers, who has been immunized, right? Um, a lot of people want to chastise him for being unvaccinated, despite him saying he's allergic to an ingredient in the mRNA, and then didn't want to get the J and J because it was leading to heart inflammation. Which they, the CDC, just came out and said that yesterday that they would advise people to get the uh, Pfizer or the Moderna because of a rare heart inflammation. So people wanted to chastise Rodgers for that. But Rodgers, I remember him saying after he got back that he would not have to test positive. He would not have to test at all for another 90 days. I don't know if they changed that in the protocols. I will go look. The, a lot of the NFL's new protocols uh, are more just geared to the vaccinated players. I don't think much changed for the unvaccinated as I was reading about it last night. So let's see here. The NFL is creating new return to play protocols. The NFL and NFLPA focused on new metrics that measures the viral load of a player known as the cycle threshold or a CT. In essence, the CT value can measure whether a player is still contagious. Even in some cases, he would still test positive on a traditional test. So the testing can begin as soon as one day after the initial positive test and then could significantly shorten the amount of time a vaccinated player spends away from the team facility. So with the new NFL protocols, there are now three ways for a vaccinated player to return under the new protocols. Two PCR tests that are either negative or produce 
that cycle threshold, the CT value of 35 or greater. So that means you would still have the virus in your system, but you would not be contagious. It's like, because <clears throat> I got COVID when I was uh, the week before Thanksgiving, I had COVID. And then you quarantine for 10 days. And then after that, you are no longer contagious, but you still, if you were to get tested, you still could have it in your system. You're just not contagious because the threshold, that cycle threshold is a certain, not a doctor, but I was studying about, or not studying, but reading about this a lot last night when all this came out. So you still can have it in you, but you're not contagious. So that's with the value of 35 or greater for the cycle threshold. A second way is one PCR test that is either negative or produces a cycle threshold value of 35 or greater, and a negative MESA test result taken within 24 hours of the PCR test. Now, a MESA test usually returns results in less than an hour. It's more of that rapid one. And then the other way to get back is two negative MESA tests. So that is the new, as of yesterday, the NFL put this and pushed it out as fast as they could to try to get these vaccinated players back because 21 from the football team, 20 from the Browns. I think it's up to 27 now for the L.A. Rams. Uh, but according to the NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, previous NFL test analysis has shown that players with that threshold, the cycle threshold values at the level of 35 or higher, do not transmit COVID. Therefore, they would not be contagious. So then they would try to get them on the field uh, faster. And then there is no change to the rules for unvaccinated players who will continue to be tested daily and must stay away from the team facility for at least 10 days before they can be cleared to return after a positive test. So if there's no change for the unvaccinated players, then that 90-day immunity threshold like Aaron Rodgers had sounds like to me is still active. Crazy. Head spinning yet? Mine is. Speaking of your apartment, Ben, you made an interesting comment during that sports flash there. So we had Tom from Egg Harbor call in uh, about a half an hour ago during a commercial break. We were talking. He goes, I was on the edge of my seat watching Wisconsin volleyball last night, and I couldn't get enough. And he said, I was more entertained last night than I was almost all of the Wisconsin football season. And you, I would argue in the last five years for Badger watching football. Badger sports in general. Especially the basketball team, not this year, but last year. Like there was game, like the Indiana game, insane this year for Wisconsin basketball. Um, obviously, what we saw against um, Nickel State. But Ben, you made an interesting comment about Wisconsin volleyball, and could you make that again about said apartment, which I hope was clean? It's it's clean-ish, but luckily my friends are leaving for a couple of weeks because some of them are in grad schools. So they're going on break, so I get time to clean it and, and make it better. <laughs> so last night they're watching. We're all watching Thursday night football, and I have the volleyball game up watching on my computer. Yeah, and we have two TVs in our living room. At this point, one of them was off. The second one is usually used for when my friends responsibly gamble on like Belmont. Or name? Do they actually responsibly gamble? No, okay. not at all. That's just we have to get, you know throw that out there for legal purposes. Yeah. Uh, so I conv- I I asked them and say, hey, let's put the Wisconsin game on the bottom television. They're like, Wisconsin what? I said volleyball. They're playing Louisville in the final four. Louisville's undefeated. Why would we want to watch volleyball? They're an absolute juggernaut. And, and they were like, no. Why would we do that? Like, who cares? Why would we watch Wisconsin volleyball? It's like just trust me. So it took five six minutes of convincing, and this was after the first set. Then they put it on. And then I, we ended up turning down the volume on Thursday night, turning up the volume yeah. on the volleyball, and everybody was glued to the television. Because it's incredible. It was unbelievable. And uh, Ben, 
nice little viral tweet from Ben Kenny last night. Ben Z Kenny on Twitter, K E N N E Y. <laughs> it's something I was thinking when I was watching it. I know a lot of Badger fans were thinking it, and Ben's like, "I'm going to tweet this out. It's a, it's a beautiful tweet." I was quick to the trigger. Say the tweet. Undefeated teams from Kentucky just don't cut it against Wisconsin in Final Fours. Yeah, as Wisconsin, Louisville, thirty-two and zero coming in, the best team in the nation. Wisconsin comes in and says, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna do it like the Badger basketball team did against Kentucky not too long ago, and we're gonna beat you." They go to the championship game. But this time, when Wisconsin goes to the championship game, they will not be playing a Coach K-led team that may or may not bribe the refs at halftime. That's the thing. I was like, I hope there's not some controversy. Like, I don't know the what the... I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about volleyball. I know a basic amount. I, you know, I know the scoring, and I know... I don't know, like, you know, strategy and whatnot. But, Ben, I don't know what the equivalent would be of Justice Winslow touching the ball. Mm. It would be some type of net violation. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, if you could... But yeah. They were reviewing a bunch you're last right, night right. that yeah, were super borderline where they could have gone either way. And it's kind of like football. The call that stands a lot of times is the one that yeah. is there because like, you don't have me wrong. evidence yeah, to prove to it wrong. It, yeah. But something like that. Or or maybe the ball landing out of bounds when it was clearly. But it's Nebraska, so it's you know Big Ten flavor. Which I get to make jokes about a one-score loss. You totally do. And you could also like poke fun at the fact that, you know, Scott Frost and the heralded Nebraska football program can't even sniff like anything. Yet their volleyball team is there. I no, guess, you know where I stand on Scott Wisconsin. Frost. I have tremendous respect for him and his commitment to the bit of losing to every single good team in the country by less than two scores. <laughs> Nine losses this year. It's unbelievable. It's a, it a record for Scott Frost. By the way, speaking of Scott Frost, I was uh, looking at winners and losers of the early signing day, Ben. Mm-hmm. The loser, one of losers, Nebraska. And I quote, the Cornhuskers couldn't mount enough momentum to get out of the cellar of the Big Ten recruiting rankings, finishing 14th at the end of the day. Yeah, they don't have much of a class. The difference is now, so Zach came on yesterday and he was ribbing me because I was talking about the Big Ten recruiting rankings, in this case, not due to the composite score, which takes into account how many recruits you have, but the average rating of the recruits. Yeah. And that pushes Wisconsin up from number 11 in composite score because they only have 14 commits right now or signed recruits up to number six below Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, all the normal guys. Yeah, yeah. Nebraska is number 11 in average rating and number 14 overall. So no matter which way you look at it, they it, it's not a good class. But to respond to Zach, and there's no way he's listening. I he everyone, br- Ben, everyone listens. He brought up there's no way you did that last year when Wisconsin had one of the top classes. I went back and looked. It's because their average rating and composite score were pretty much even, right? They were number three in the Big Ten and then number four. So there isn't that big difference like I was talking about for this year. Um, Who is um, is the guy that was going to sign, but now he's going to... Carson Hinsman. Do you think he's going to go elsewhere? Uh, It's between Wisconsin and Ohio State. Because he's been very... I thought he was going to sign. I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. So this is the thing. I have no idea. There have been times during the process where Ohio State was definitely a leader. I feel like he's going to be. But I think Isaac Ham uh, committing on signing night mm-hmm. is big in that sense because you see more momentum in state, I guess. Because sure. we, we saw Billy Shrouth leave. <clears throat> uh, Jerry Cross committed to Penn State way back. So I think Hensman seeing Ham commit will help a little bit. Plus, Ham can go talk to him about going to Wisconsin, I have absolutely no idea. It has to be a toss-up. Yeah. Because if he was going like to commit gonna, today... I feel like he's going to leave. Or if, go elsewhere. If say. he was going to commit today, I think I would feel worse about it. Yeah. So the, the longer... 
he thinks about it more maybe Wisconsin. I, more will I be have revealed. no idea. Every single one of these situations with players recruiting and committing. It's wild. It's it's all different, right? So let me they ask you on this. They all do it for their own reasons. So. And I um I wanted to bring this up, but I put it on the back burner, but now I just it, it my mind was jogged here. Primetime, aka Deion Sanders. Oh, are we going to talk about this? Well, I was I was in, uh, curious to hear your take on it. Travis Hunter was with Florida State. What he's committed to Florida State for almost two years, nearly two years, and he threw the the Seminoles hat off, and then he said, "You know what? I'm going to go join primetime Deion Sanders and go to Jackson State." Incred- the number one recruit, right, Ben? The number one player in the country said, "Yeah, I'm going to go join primetime Deion Sanders." Wild. What do you think of it? Definitely wild. I was first off entertained. Have I said on this? Have I talked about the Twitter spaces? So there was a Twitter oh, space. Oh, you, you did briefly, and, I, and then I said that I made fun of it for a little bit. Not, yeah, not you, but the, the Twitter space. The the waves it sent throughout the college football world were amazing because you had one side of which is where I stand. Like this is awesome. There's a kid going to a non blue blood power five school mm. who's the best player in the country is going to be a future NFL guy, and he's probably making money doing it. Now that he's allowed to get paid. The reported deal that he was getting was not true, so we don't know what he's making. What was it? What was the reported? Was it milli something? Yeah, that he got like uh, seven figures. Yeah, it was like one point something million. Right? Which, if that was true, a kid guaranteeing himself seven figures in a sport where you only have a three average, three year average in the NFL. It's crazy. It's great. Yeah, and it's then funny. I. I just love when a pro, and even though Florida State has been terrible recently, yeah, I love when the great players don't go to those programs because at least we see some type of parity. So, so I, I love. I it. like that too. I like when players don't fall into like I'm going to keep going to the the main blue bloods and yeah. go trying to have my own legacy elsewhere. Right. I, I like that. Right. And I just loved. I think Deion Sanders is great for college football. He's the man. It's it's Prime interesting. Time, right. He's awesome. And so we had that whole section that was happy to see something like that happen. Then you had the section of the I would the boomer takes were coming out that said, okay, now we have arrived at the point where you could pay players to go to your school. And I quote tweeted someone and said, uh, it was a Dan Patrick show report. It said Tennessee Vols got sloppy with recruiting. They were handing recruits cash in McDonald's, McDonald's bags, bags when they visited campus. That was yeah, a couple years like 20K ago. 20K in a McDonald's bag. Kids have been getting paid. and you had Don't Jim, mind some of the lettuce that fell off my Big Mac. Here's Jimbo Fisher went on the radio yesterday and literally said, yeah, these kids have been getting paid forever, but nobody talked about it. We all talked about it. Did exactly. we not? Like, it was the worst kept secret in college football. Everyone knew you were getting paid under the table. Go look at Reggie Bush. There's a prime example. Yeah. So then you had the section of coaches like Dabo Sweeney specifically that were mad that a player would leave yeah. a, a blue blood. And then he started talking about it's not about education anymore. It's like, w- when has it ever been? Which uh, translation here, he's just mad that yeah. players aren't going to only go play for him and pretty much be controlled in a certain. It's the same Urban Meyer thing, right? Yeah. Players have more power in college now. He's mad that he's going to lose out on some top recruits because they want to go make money before they go to the NFL, which is their right, and I think is great for the sport. Same. I, make your money while you can. I'm a big proponent of people making money while they can. Uh, G Dub says, Ben, what was your take on Hinsman? I missed it. Leaving or staying? Uh, I said you're undecided. I'm really fifty fifty. Uh, he's leaving. Oh, that's my. That's where I lean. Um, he's really 50-50. So we'll see. I mean, more will be revealed as it always is. All right, 608-321-1670. Twitter, that's at uh, Zone Madison. Mine's Ebo says, Ben is Ben Z, Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. So, yeah, this recording stuff has been pretty wild, man. And Dabo Sweeney saying what he said, I'm like, you're a clown, dude. Like, 
When has it ever been about education, especially for you and other guys like you? He's it's, always been saying that too. I know. It's it's like you have you can drop the act. Like we we see through you. He was saying that about the transfer portal. He was saying that about leaving before four years to go to the NFL. It's really just what gives him a competitive disadvantage. I'm gonna go complain. All right. So Ben Bowl season, speaking of college football, is upon us starting today, eleven o'clock. You have the Bahamas Bowl, Middle Tennessee versus Toledo. Electric. So a bowl season for you. I was asking RJ. RJ's like RJ's like I don't want some of these lesser teams in here. I'm like yeah, but you still watch. He's like yeah, of course I do. So bowl season for you. You just turn the TV on. And just let it ride? Yep. All day, every day? Yep. Since bowl season's upon us? Well, what I do is I turn it on, and then I look up which potential NFL players are playing in the game. Because when you watch a Toledo-Middle Tennessee game, (laughs) there's going to be probably two NFL guys on the field, or fringe NFL guys. Yeah. And then I watch them and see how they are. It's kind of how you get a head start on draft season, learning stuff. Are you a big uh, mock draft guy? I'm not a big mock draft guy. Because that's like the biggest waste of time you could ever do. I mean, it's good for studying the players, but... No, I read them ju- just to see where people, how people are thought of. But then I go, I, I do my own research, Evo. That a boy. I, I form hey, my, you, hey, if you say that, you'll get canceled in some circles. I form my careful, own opinions. I careful of saying that. I do my own research. You'll be called some naughty names if you start saying <laughs> that, Benjamin. Uh, I like looking at the bowl games and those, just the names of them. The Tailgater Cure Bowl. Do you know what a ta- or Tail Greeter, excuse me, Cure Bowl? Do you know what a Tail Greeter is? No. It's and this is so like bizarre to me because as Wisconsin fans we don't need any help tailgating, but Tail Greeter is a company that will help you set up tailgates. They probably need them in like Minnesota. Well, they have Bears fans on their website. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're not the brightest. And then there was um, it was um, God, who else was on there? I should go pull it up again. Jimmy but, Kimmel has a bowl. Yeah, the Jimmy Kimmel. What was it? The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl pre- Pre- presented by Stifle or something yeah, like that. Which is. I saw something really funny. So people were complaining. It's for a show, right? Yeah, I think so. People were complaining. I don't. I haven't watched it in ten years. About some type of bull name it's or not, some type of bull sponsor about the company who maybe hasn't. I love the bull oh, names. The, this is what it was. The weirder they are, the more I like them. People were complaining about the Chick Fil A bull because of the politics of the owners, and then someone responded to that and gave reasons for every single company that sponsors a bowl, I would say maybe 60% of them, about some type of tax fraud they've committed. Yeah. Like like some under the table stuff. Like it's like it's big business. Like I think Chick-fil-A is trash. Like it's not it's just generic bland sandwiches. It's not any good. But they're all they're all um franchisees. So these people have nothing to do with I mean they do just because they give a portion of their you know, you know revenue to the, to the franchise. But when people just like want to cancel people if they own a Chick-fil-A, it's like they're franchisees that are making their own money. Like but- it's so dumb. Well, it wasn't Chick-fil-A that. Chick-fil-A sucks anyways. It wasn't that. It was just someone expected to come at the Chick-fil-A bowl and did not expect dirt to be unearthed on every yeah, single no, bowl yeah, sponsor there. Like, uh, That's what you get when you go to big business. It's I, uh, I, it, Like, you're not going to agree with everything everyone does. Let's just sit down and watch some football. Yeah. But anyway, in terms of what RJ said about there being too many bowls, I don't think there are enough bowls. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Love it. Electric. So SMU we talked to Virginia. George about that. The wasabi Fenway Bowl. George is obviously in Boston. What's the, so like just wasabi? Like the the stuff you get with sushi? No, there's a company called Wasabi. What, I, oh, oh, uh, a restaurant. There's a restaurant called Wasabi. Do they specialize in wasabi? I would assume so. Man, I love the random bowl names. I'm trying to find some more here. George was telling Bill yeah, and myself about that. People in Boston are mad because it's on 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. Like they would like a bowl game at Fenway would be awesome, but it's really hard to go tailgate and then go to a football game when it's Wednesday morning. Yeah, it'd be tough. 
Tony the Tiger Sunbull. They're <laughs> great. Electric man. There's so many good ones. So many. There's so many funny ones. It's and some of these companies are like, where did you? There used to be the Dinty Moore Bowl. I don't know if you know of Dinty Moore is Dinty Moore Bowl. The uh, the Poulon Weed Eaters Bowl. Then uh, there's that bowl with the Mayo Company that shall not be named. Don't oh, say it. I have it's in my fridge. Dukes. It's in my fridge. I have a problem with it. They are brilliant. Why? They're brilliant. No, they're frauds. Okay, but they're brilliant at what they did. So they, you, you just were defending, not defending, but saying you can't cancel the Chick-fil-A bowl, but now you're coming after Duke's Mayo? For I'm doing it, it after, I, I'm doing they're it. Not, they're hypocritical. Completely different reasons. They're completely fraudulent in how they created a free PR scheme by framing Graham Mertz, making him drop a trophy. I, it was brilliant. Whoever was their PR person deserved, hopefully got a raise or a promotion. Ben, they got the most amount of free PR you could ever get. Yeah, and now I will never eat their Mayo. Well, you're a mayo guy to begin with. I don't like mayo. So you're never going to eat their mayo anyways. It's probably true. You know why the Duke's mayo is in my fridge right now? Because you like mayo? Well, well, yeah. Why don't you just get Hellman's? I usually do, but I was on... But you got it because of the bowl? It was in my brain. Oh, you're kidding. It was in... I'm not. It worked. It worked, This is Benjamin. big business controlling your brain. That's fine. <laughs> I am a slave to the machine sometimes, Benjamin, when it comes to big business. Absolutely incredible. Your Wisconsin Badger volleyball team punching their ticket to the championship match against Big Ten opponent Nebraska. With that, to relive the sights, the sounds, the excitement last night, the voice of Wisconsin volleyball when you hear at the Fieldhouse. Bonnie Olson. Bonnie, good morning. Good morning, darling. How are you? Um, probably not as good as you. You're in Columbus following along, yeah. Bonnie. So usually at the field house, because the playoffs ran through the field house for Wisconsin, you were there, you know, on the mic doing your point yeah. Wisconsin. Did you find yourself under your breath or, or screaming out point Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> point in to point out I last did, night? Um, I did once in a while because the fans still do it. So they, they still kind of cheer along. So every once in a while I was doing it, but Man, it was crazy there last night. We had so much fun. So take me through it, Bonnie. Uh, you know, Louisville unbeaten, the number one team in the country. What was the what was the vibe like before it all started and to unfold? Was it like, hey, the Badgers are never going to back down? Like, oh, we were nervous. What was it like? You know, it was kind of strange because I feel like this team is, you know, the past four years have been Cinderella. And they keep going to the ball, and I just never want to believe what's going to happen because, you know, Wisconsin went in undefeated a couple of years ago. That's a tough position to be in when you're just afraid that you're, you know, you go in thinking we're the best, we're the best, we're great, and then you get beat. So Wisconsin has been in Louisville's shoes before. So it's, you know, to be on the other side of it, like, all right, these women are amazing. The team is awesome. You know, maybe we can do this. And they held tight, and they played their brains out last night. Lauren Barnes, the libero, was flying over the court, and she did so amazing. And Anna Smrek, the 6'9 freshman on the team, she, you know, she's really found her, found her way this year, and she's gotten to be a strong hitter. 20 kills, Bond. 20 kills. 20 kills. She was crazy. It was insane. And, you know, it was just so fun to watch the team. And and then they went crazy. I I sent you the video last night after they... After they won, and it was, you know, the guy sitting next to me was from Ohio, and we were just talking through the game, and he, he said, it's just so fun volleyball to watch. And the, he kept asking me, so what do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm so, not going to say Stop talking to me. I want to watch some volleyball, okay? Uh, ben, you had a question <laughs> for me? I'm not going to assume it. Well, I was going to ask about Anna Smrek because it was remarkable what she was doing, especially going, especially in the fourth set when 
uh, Wisconsin was battling, and then Louisville ended up taking it before Wisconsin took the fifth. Have you seen a, a performance like that on a on a stage like that before? Because I remember last year, uh, there were like the the team as a whole was definitely firing, but they ran into I think it was a tough Kentucky team. Um, yeah, in it was. in the final four. Ha- have you seen a performance like that on a stage like that? You know, um, there's been players, Lauren Bar or um. Uh, we've had some hitters in the past that have been amazing. We, there's a center from Wisconsin who, who's been fantastic, but having that standout hitter, that performance last night was just phenomenal. And what made it even more special coming from Anna last night was just to see her growth throughout the year because she's 6'9", okay, and she's a freshman, so it's what insane. is she? In 19, 20, yeah. and... You know, she's just getting her legs underneath her. You're still growing. And, I feel like you're still growing into your body, right? Yeah, exactly. And to see her just, you know, she just wanted the ball. And you could tell she was like, just give it to me, just give it to me, just give it to me. And seeing that last night was insane. They had the staff up in the arena. And I was like, she had 19. All of a sudden, it's like, she had 19 kills. Holy yeah. crap. You know? That's crazy. It was, it was amazing to watch her. And it was just so fun to see her be so sure of herself and to want the ball and to know that she could handle it. Where earlier in the season, it was like, oh, no, Anna, oh. You know, it yeah. was just kind of watching her. So but grow yeah, up this season. Yeah, grow up this season as a freshman. Yeah, hit a, a remarkable 7-0-4 for the match, adding three blocks with Crazy. those 20 kills. Just insane. So, Bon, um, just curious, obviously very jubilant for Wisconsin. What was it like for the Louisville side? Very somber, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was. If you were paying like attention, said, I'm sure you were. But. It, yeah, I, I wasn't really looking at them too much. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was it was sad because you know everyone assumes when you get that far you're going to go all the way. You've got that faith well, in your team, and then you know and it's kind of like it's kind of like and Ben had tweeted this out, and, and we suggested it earlier in the show when uh, Wisconsin basketball went against Kentucky, the Wildcats, in the Final Four, and they were undefeated. And then yeah. Wisconsin beat them to go to the championship round. So speaking of the championship round, Bonnie, we have ourselves the Nebraska Cornhuskers. What's, uh, what's the skinny on uh, Nebraska here? Well, Nebraska and Wisconsin have a very tough rivalry because John Cook, who's the head coach for Nebraska, used to be the coach at Wisconsin. And he was the coach my first year announcing, and that was 23 years ago. And he left Wisconsin, and I remember somebody telling me, he said, you'll never win a championship at Wisconsin. What? what? And that's where he Body, left. what? Yeah. So yeah, he said that. And so he... This is huge. And he went... He's I don't been know why on... this is talked about more. Bonnie, this is huge. <laughs> this dude so, had a parting shot on his way out. You'll never win a championship. And now it's Wisconsin in the championship game against him in Nebraska? Yeah, and he, you know, he's won championships. He's a great coach, and he's had amazing teams. But I sat there going, what? oh, suck on this, John. We got this. You know? <laughs> because... Bonnie! Bonnie! <laughs> Bonnie! I love it, Bonnie. We, but we've had, you know, we played him twice this year. We swept him. And every time that we beat Nebraska, I always tweet about it. I'm like, there's nothing sweeter than sweeping this team. Oh it's just, God. it's just one of those things you just love to savor. It's that rivalry. Oh. And the last time we beat him three to one to win the Big Ten championship, and we celebrated in front of them at the field house. <laughs> so it's Bye. like, you know, I really want this to, oh, I, I was nervous. I'm like, I don't know if I want to play Nebraska. And playing the same team three times in a year is tough. Uh, that is so tough. This team did it against um, Minnesota, 
they to advance in the round, so in the tournament. But Bond, you know, it's, you're it's getting me fired team. up. You're getting me fired up, Bonnie. <laughs> that that you'll never win a championship thing. That's huge. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how we can keep Coach K out of the building just to make sure there's no funny business going on. But I think that's the exactly. angle. That's huge, that's, Bonnie. That's the angle. I don't know why that's not talked about more. So we have a couple questions, Bonnie. Uh, RJ yeah. wanted to know, has Bonnie slept yet? And what did you do after the victory for Wisconsin last night? Uh, after the game last night, we kind of hung around the arena for a while and um, saw a couple of the players, talked to them for a bit. And people were just kind of celebrating around there. I kind of wanted to see... Who was good, who we were going to play, but man, it was getting late. I know so it was. Just, yeah, and the beers are really expensive at the arena. So we hang came on, back. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I, I need to. Beer. I need to ask. How much is the beer? How much is it? And what kind of beer? Uh, twelve. Twelve dollars for a tall one. Yeah, tall boy. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. Valid. Yeah, and they had. I had Angry Orchard. There's Bud Light. There was some Miller. There was a little, yeah, a little bit of everything over there. Okay, but I just want to make sure yeah, they're treating you nice down there. Okay. Yeah, but it was like, let's just go back to the house. We went back to the house, and we were just enjoying some libations here and watching the game, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, I guess we're going to play Nebraska. <laughs> what's, uh, what's it like down in Columbus then? Is, uh, what's, is the living a little different than here in Madison? Um, it's, it's pretty nice down here. It's, we're close to High Street, which is where all the parties are. Yep, um, yep. Ohio State University is not a pretty campus, so that's fun to just drive through and keep going. Um, thank, you for not calling it, thank you for not calling it the Ohio State University campus. No, we don't, we don't do we that. Don't, don't do I've, that. Seen, I've seen more Buckeyes around here than I need to in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> but I did see my favorite sweatshirt. It said, Jesus hates Michigan. I'm like, well, we agree on something in Ohio, so that's good. The Green Bay Packers taking on the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, 325 kickoff. Lamar Jackson has the ankle sprain. He is day-to-day, I'm assuming, Lamar Jackson is going to be playing. And it's Tyler Huntley. Who the hell is Tyler Huntley? He almost brought the Ravens back against the Browns. He is extreme Lamar Jackson light. So Lamar, Lamar Jackson, really good at throwing the football, but also really good at running the football. Lamar Jackson has some wheels on him. So Kenny Clark is out with COVID. Lamar Jackson has a high or an ankle sprain, avoided the high ankle sprain. Yep. I don't. I, I wish both teams were one hundred percent healthy, obviously. But with Clark out and Jackson hobbled, that's I'm not saying equals the playing field because Clark's not playing, but it bodes well for the Packers to a degree because Lamar will be humbled. Oh, by far. And I, the Packers have shown an ability, especially on defense, to plug guys in and still play well with Lamar Jackson's injury and. Bill Michaels talked to guy Mark Schofield who covers the NFL for NFL Wires a couple weeks ago. He was talking about Aaron Rodgers' toe injury. This was during his run of hot play since the Seahawks game. And he said that because of the way Rodgers is able, like most of his throws are off platform. He doesn't rely on his legs very much. So much of his throwing is in the shoulder and in the wrist. Which I like, we know the little little, flick of the wrist. We know the little wrist flick 50 yards down the field. So that's why when Rodgers has a toe injury like this, it's not going to really debilitate his play because he doesn't rely on that part of his body as much as others, like a Brady or or a Yeah, I mean, Brady's such a quick release and whatever, but um, yeah, to your point, yeah, Rodgers is, is great at that. But with Lamar, because of his ability to run the ball and extend plays, even if you play and you have an ankle sprain, that's going to hinder your ability oh, to no do doubt. what you need yeah. to do. Yeah. So I, I, I think the playing field is I not even I think you'd rather close. have a broken toe than an ankle sprain. Well, yes, but also just with how they play and what they rely on in their body to do well, this is ju- I, the playing field is not close to even, yeah, if totally. Lamar, even if he plays. So I'm um, excited to see what happens there. Packers, I think last I checked, were f- uh, it might have been four and a half favorites on the road. 
Uh, but here's the thing, Ben. You look at Kenny Clark not being there, but on the flip side for the offensive line, uh, David Bakhtiari, good news, back at practice again, a limited participant. We'll hear from LaFleur momentarily about that. But, you know, the Packers have had so much injury on that offensive line. And I know you've, uh, you know, Five and a half now. Oh, five was oh, moved back. It opened at six and a half. That's when they weren't sure if Lamar was going to play. It went down to four and a half. Now five and a half. Our better of the stars, Raphael, coming up. But Dennis Kelly, you know a thing or two about Dennis Kelly, former Eagle. I really a guy that I was not happy the Eagles got rid of, and he showed last year starting, I believe, sixteen games for the Titans. Seventeen, actually. seventeen. Yeah, I he could play, and I was kind of surprised they brought him in. I thought he would. Find a way to see the field. He's he could play. He's a good player. Here's the thing about the Packers offensive line, which has been a mash unit, you know, next man up mentality all season. Dennis Kelly started 17 games last season for the Titans, did not allow a single sack all year. Insane, right? Yep. And he did not play an offensive snap for the Packers until week 14. And now he's going to be a starter. The fact that I think you got to give Brian Gudukunst a lot of credit for bringing cats like this in. And also, you know, other guys that maybe have been less heralded, but they will step up and gel well. But you have that veteran leadership there for a guy who didn't give up a single sack last year to now a guy who is seemingly fresh, right, because he didn't play a snap to Week 14. This Packers line, despite injury, finding a really good way to protect Rodgers and continue success. We know what Goody's done this year. It's the Bill Belichick method. Uh, drafting is obviously important, but we know Belichick doesn't hit on all of his draft picks. He hasn't drafted a good wide receiver, I think, in his entire time. But what Belichick's great at is find is free agent recruiting, if you will. Finding the best players that are on practice squads or free agents that have since been on other NFL teams. That's what Goody's done. I don't get how Dennis Kelly was available that easily. And also how he hasn't played a snap till week 14. Well, I get it because the Packers are I mean, extremely there, deep on the line. But a dude who started all 17 games didn't give up a sack. And I, I love it because the fact now you got some guy healthy right there. It's next man up mentality again for Dennis Kelly, the 10-year vet. Uh, but wow. So Packers... I don't have a problem saying this. They're going to beat the Ravens on Sunday. Wow. I know. I was just going to get to this. Breaking news of the NFL. Same thing. Football team? Yeah. Check this out. Uh, Doug G-Dub, if you're listening, our resident football team fans. <laughs> First it was uh, with the Browns. It was Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum out. Now they're going to Nick Mullins, the uh, Cleveland Browns. Washington, their football team, the Nick, football team. Nick Mullins can't play, by the way. No. Well, he just started practicing, what, yesterday? He's horrible. He stinks. Washington football team breaking their top two quarterbacks, Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, both now on the reserve COVID-19 list, leaving Garrett Gilbert, who is signing today with the football team in line to get the start Sunday against Ben Kenny's Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles fly, Ben Kenny. Garrett Gilbert, former Texas Longhorn. Hook him. Was he uh, in the Cowboys last year for a second? Yes. That's what I thought. Yes, he was. I think he went to high school with Mike McCarthy's daughter. That's how he got on the job. Oh, the that, oh no, no, that wasn't him. Oh, that was, that uh, was Gucci Danucci. Oh, was ben it Danucci? Danucci. Yeah, Gucci Danucci. sucks? Oh, yeah. He, they came into Philly last year and lost a game just because, I, I mean, he can't play quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's Garrett, Garrett Gilbert. 25 players, I think, Washington now on the COVID list. And the NFL has been pretty clear that they're going to push forward. So I thought they were going to start doing tryouts like before the game started. People in the stands, if you came in early, like, hey, do you have like any experience? Yeah. Like Marky Mark. Yeah, but you can't really do that against the Eagles when that's the Eagles thing. I will put this in a Packers lens. If the Eagles do win, they would overtake the seventh spot in the NFC, which is the last wild card. 
if the Packers were to somehow fall to two and someone else takes the one seed, a matchup with the Eagles is extremely likely because they have Washington again this year, the Giants and Cowboys at home. This is wild, dude. I'm actually going to be at the Giants game next weekend. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, nice. Good for you. That'd be fun. But yeah, this is wild in the NFL right now. Um, The Browns, the football team, I think there's 27 players now positive on the Rams. Uh, this is this is getting tough in the NFL, and they're going to push through. I mean, they drew their line in the stand before the season started. Like, if if a breakout happens, we're st- you either forfeit or we continue on. Yeah, here's how I look at this whole thing. So they've obviously been operating on COVID protocol that was put into place in June. And yeah, right? now they're going uh, because that was when the NFLPA agreed on it. But they pushed through new stuff or thing, like new old stuff. Yesterday, things have changed extremely since June in many facets. There has to, I, and they did update it the protocol yesterday. You can get back faster if you're vaccinated. Right. But I feel like there has to be further changes or further advancements, right? Because we're in a different place today than we were then. Yeah, you're getting hammered more by positive tests. And all... There's 23 football Washington football teams now. Before, all 21 of them were vaccinated. All 20 Browns players were vaccinated. I don't know the exact status on the LA Rams, but clearly something is is, you know happening obviously but now they have three different ways that they pushed through yesterday for the protocols for vax players to return nothing has changed for unvaccinated but if you're vaccinated two pcr tests that are negative or produce a ct a cycle threshold value of 35 or greater so you could still have the virus but you wouldn't be contagious uh the other way is one pcr test that is either negative or produces a ct a a cycle threshold value of 35 or greater and a negative mesa test that's one that comes back within less than an hour or two negative mesa tests so that's how you can get back on the field immediately if you're vaccinated in the NFL. If you're not vaccinated, you still have to adhere to the 10 days. And then you have 90 days without being tested like Rodgers had. This is It's crazy in the NFL. It's nuts. It's I, nuts in the NBA. It's nuts in the NHL. So. I mean, it's, a, it's an insane position to be in, making these decisions. Because a lot of it, we kind of know, but we also don't know, right? So I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it's wild. It would be an impossible decision and, I'm glad and I'm thing not, to it, have to make. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not in the position to have to make those exactly. decisions. It's pretty nuts of um, the Browns, the football team, and the Rams. So crazy. What is? I guess we got to get Raphael on and ask him about the spreads changing. Eagles are going to win by like what? Twenty. You have Garrett Gilbert as the starting quarterback for the football team, and there's. 22 other guys that are... Well, yeah, Jalen Hurts still battling an ankle injury. So Minshew I don't mania? really see why you would play him if Washington doesn't have a team. Give me the Minshew mania. Put Minshew out there so that we can go on radio on Monday and continue the quarterback controversy. He's the man. Gardner Minshew rules. He's the man. He is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. All right, uh, back to the Packers side of things here. So David Bakhtiari, good news, returned again to practice. And uh, Oops, thank you for that. And we have Matt LaFleur talking about if he was surprised or not. Take a listen. It did surprise me. I was su- as surprised as everybody else. So, hey, that just, I, I think that just speaks to how badly he wants to get back out there. And, you know, he's going to do everything he can, and hopefully he'll be out there again today. So Matt LaFleur also asked uh, from the good about Bakhtiari to the bad of Kenny Clark, who's going to step up. Other guys are going to have to step up, and that's just the world we live in right now. You know, you see it going on throughout the league. A lot of teams are facing the same issues, and the way I look at it is no different than when you have an injury on game day, but at least you have some preparation time to get the guys the reps that they need. So obviously Slayton's going to play a big role in that, and, you know, we'll decide who that fifth guy is. 
Yeah, the rookie TJ Slayton getting the nod. Now, Ben, with Kenny Clark out, something we started to talk about was the run game for the Baltimore Ravens, especially predicated by Lamar Jackson, but he's got a bum ankle, right? LaFleur is asking about you know the run game that Baltimore brings to the table. Here's more from the head coach. Well, they're big, they're stout, they're physical. Yeah, they just do a really, really nice job of clogging up your run lanes. And then, you know, they'll hit you with some pressures that can give you some tough looks to run into. So uh, we're going to have to be on top of our game in terms of just IDing what the defense is trying to do to us and make sure that we have answers for it. And then one more from LaFleur talking about their defense. Really, really, really good. Here he is. If you get in third and long against these guys, it's it's a it's gonna be a tough day. I just think that they are so good because they do such a good job of stressing your protections. You can tell these guys work really hard at it. They give you a lot of, I would say, exotic looks, and they do everything from those looks. It's just a well-designed scheme. So, Ben, the one thing that not much concerns me about this game. I do believe the Packers are are going to win this game, and I think comfortably. But, but, the Ravens have one of the best special teams unit in the NFL. John Harbaugh prides himself on it. Remind me again um, what the Packers have? The worst. (laughs) Maybe ever. (laughs) The worst ever we saw unfold against the Chicago Bears. Mo Drayton was on the podium, dude. And it's it's pretty hilarious. Oh, I missed this. Oh, this was yesterday. This is this is gold. This is gold. Mo Drayton, Ben. Remember when we were here, we got here uh, at halftime, and then we watched the third quarter and the fourth quarter unfold? I was laughing. It was we, we were like in stitches. It was hilarious. Did you ever once think that, wow, they're doing really good in the third quarter? The special teams unit? Yeah. No. Well, listen to Mo Drayton. Mo Drayton was oh, asked about God. the special teams. He didn't. Oh, yeah. He says, despite the poor first half, they did indeed improve. In the third quarter versus the Bears. Well, can I defend him for a second? Sure. They did improve because in the second quarter, they gave up a punt return touchdown, two punt returns like past the 50-yard line. They did that thing where they batted the kick out of bounds. They did improve. Don't you recall? Now, maybe this was the fourth quarter. Don't you recall a muffed punt, a muffed onside kick? Um, There was something else in there, too. Listen to Mo Drayton. From the poor first half to shanked punt. Yeah, and a shanked punt. I think that was in the third. Here's Mo Drayton. Uh, let's not let it just fall by the wayside. The second half of, of, of that game, <laughs> kickoff-wise, we had three kickoffs where we held them uh, inside the 25-yard line. And if we would have just applied those same techniques and trusted that your buddy was going to be where he was, oh, my buddy. we wouldn't have had those two returns in the, in the first half. What is this guy watching? They we finally were- had kickoffs. That held them to the 25-yard line. I guess you got to find positive somewhere. That is the lowest bar I have ever heard. you got to stack success somewhere. One more for Mo Drayton on the performance of his special teams unit against the Bears. I'll say this. No one feels worse than those young men who are on the field. Uh, no one feels worse than them. Uh, they, they have beat themselves up, and that's why you know I'm the positive Pete right now. we got, <laughs> we got to be positive Pete because uh, those guys feel bad. They do. Uh, and, and they're working hard. And, you know, I was encouraged going into the game because we had a good week of preparation. Uh, we've had a great two days of preparation here, uh, but we have to do it on Sunday. This is the bottom line. It has to get done on Sunday. Well, I'm glad he's being a positive Pete in this situation and realizing that they had, I guess, a good third quarter, relatively speaking, because all the other quarters were absolutely putrid. Positive Pete, Ben Kenny. Better than a negative Nelly or a Debbie Downer, if you will.